the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. In grace and peace to you from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Today's gospel texts reflect pivotal inflection moments in Jesus' life and his ministry. And they're filled with all kinds of excitement. Dreams fulfilled, prophecies foretold, the, the skies tear open, and the star goes wild to guide people to their destination. It's a moment of the confirmation of Jesus' identity, but also a commissioning for his ministry here on earth. Our for, first gospel today was one of epiphany, a, a gospel filled with royalty. As these three wise men, these three magi, these three kings come traveling from afar, following a star to go and to find the one who has been born unto them, the king of the Jews. Now these three individuals, themselves not Jewish, were still inspired by creation itself to go and to pay homage. And when they arrive, they are overwhelmed with joy which stands in stark contrast to another king, King Herod, who is overwhelmed with fear at this child, fear at what this means for his own power. And these wise men come bearing gifts. First, they offer the gift of themselves in worship. Then they offer the gift gifts. And the gifts are those that we've heard time and time again, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And throughout history, people of faith, theologians, have spent countless hours and books trying to argue what the meaning of these gifts really is. Why? Why would you give this child gold, frankincense, and myrrh? And my answer is, don't read too much into it. Why? When I was born, my parents got me a mint set of coins from 1987 that was unceremoniously handed to me when I turned 18 and left for college. So let's not read into gifts given at the birth of a child, shall we, okay? The gifts aren't what it's about, right? It's about the epiphany, it's about the revelation. It's about understanding who this child is. This child is born and he will be the shepherd king who will lead the people of Israel. But this ruler, this this king doesn't start his public ministry with a coronation. Instead, it starts with a humble baptism. And maybe, maybe I'm using the word humble a little loosely here. Now look, I, I didn't remember my baptism. I was one month old when I was baptized. 
but eyewitness reports never had anything to do with the heavens tearing open at my baptism. It never, ever happened. Now, the communion of saints, the heavenly body was certainly there, but I don't think the rafters ripped open. I know no dove alighted upon me, although the Holy Spirit was present. Our old church, every once in a while, did have birds that got loose in it, so maybe there was a loose sparrow involved, but, but certainly nothing like this. And as far as my parents tell, no voice come booming from above saying, this is my child, the beloved. Although, through the word of God, I was claimed as God's beloved child that day through the waters of baptism. Now, that all being said, just because my baptism doesn't look like Jesus's doesn't make it important. And I'm not saying, Brantley, that in a few minutes the sky isn't going to tear open, a dove come flying at me and everyone taking cover. And if it happens, we have cameras now, so we'll have it for history. But even if those things don't happen in our baptisms, the reality is baptism is a pivotal moment. It's a moment where we are identified as beloved children of God and then commissioned, sent forth into the world to live out that reality in word and deed. And our, our baptismal liturgy is gorgeous. It, it, it reflects this perfectly. The liturgy we're going to share in just a few minutes says it all that this child will be raised in such a way that he'll receive in his hands the scriptures and learn the creeds, the prayer, Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments. But it's not going to end there. It's bigger than that. Because it's also going to lead to a life of care for creation, seeking justice and peace for all people. This is what it means to be a baptized child of God. And as one myself, my life from the moment I was baptized, first commissioned to live out that reality to now, a lot has changed. I've had a lot of experiences that have informed how it is that I understand my baptism, how it is that it's reflected in my life. And my opinion on it all has changed with each and every one of those experiences. One of the more formal ones early on in my life was that of my affirmation of baptism, or as we call it in the Lutheran world, my confirmation. Now, I'm gonna say something that may or may not surprise you. I did not like confirmation at all. Would not recommend, right? It's become my mission as pastor to make the kids here hate it just as much. Really, it's my gift to you. But reality was, I was a confirmation class of one. I was on my own once a month for three hours with my pastor who had less interest being there than I had. And she had this way about her. She'd ask these questions that I could never know the answer to. And rather than give me help or move along, she would just sit and stare at me, waiting for me to magically figure it out. Oh, what fun, right? In an experience meant to build up my faith, I was counting down the minutes. I couldn't wait for that to be over. I couldn't wait to get in front of the congregation and say, yes, I affirm my baptismal promises. Now, please, please, can it be over, right? And it happened, right? Completion occurred. I, I finished the course, and, and I came forward, and I, I renewed my vows of baptism. And, and in that moment, I received some gifts and a cake. All is great, right? The thing is, and the problem is, it's that word completion. Because in my mind, 
it was done. I had no more obligations to the church. I signed off everything I was supposed to. I completed everything that was asked of me. My parents even pulled me aside and we had that conversation like, you know, we don't have to wake up as early anymore to get you here, right? You know that, right? Like, we don't have to show up to church as much. This is, this is a good thing until, of course, your brother does it, but we'll worry about him when the time comes. But me, being the rebel I am, I said, no, I want to go to church. Yeah, I'll show you what's up. So what did I do? I woke my mom up and dragged her to church. Did I want to go? Not really. But I was a rebellious, you know, sophomore in high school. What do you do? You go to church, right? You really show, show them what's up. And that's what I did. And the problem with it was then it kind of transformed. Something clicked, something changed, and all of a sudden that commissioning, right, that, that call at baptism turned into more than just a call. It turned into like a call call, one that you guys are still paying for today, like literally. And that's how these things go sometimes. Now, in order to get to this moment, I had to go through some more faith formation. We call that seminary. Now, when I went to LSTC, I had all of these experiences that sort of informed me, that helped to shape my theology, my understanding of, of that baptismal call that we all share. And, and one of the most memorable experiences, one of the most formative, was my clinical pastoral education experience, CPE, which is your chaplaincy work. Spent an entire summer working as a chaplain intern at Advocate Lutheran General Hospital in Park Ridge. Now, this may come as no surprise to you, I had a unique distinction in my summer at Lutheran General. I had the most deaths while on call of any of my classmates. Because, of course I would, if you were here when I arrived at St. Paul, this makes perfect sense. It is just my experience in ministry has been shrouded with loss. I think in my three months, I tended to 16 different deaths, which is about twice as many as the next nearest intern. In other words, I had a lot of experience walking into those rooms, trying to make sense of what was happening. And what's interesting, in that experience, it really shaped my baptismal theology. Because to that point, to me, baptism was something we talked about in worship class. And usually we talked about it in terms of cute little babies that we baptize and then they smile at us and everything's great. That was kind of what I had. But now, now, things were a little different. I was being called to baptize people before they died. I was being called into rooms to hold the hands of family members as they debated whether or not this person was baptized and what that would mean for them. In other words, as, as I sat in those spaces and in those places, as I confronted death, I realized baptismal theology is so essential to our identity, our understanding of who we are as Christians and what we are called to be. And the joy of working in a place like Lutheran General was I got to see not just Lutherans, but everybody. I had the whole gamut. Some rooms I walked into, people, lifelong Christians, far more faithful than I can ever hope to be. Other rooms I'd walk into, people were just desperate for comfort, and they saw I was wearing a collar, and so they said, just, what can you do? Sometimes I walked into rooms where people weren't Christian at all, but it left us in this space where we could have interfaith dialogue, where we could listen and we could pray together, even if the words or the ways that we prayed were completely different. 
we were able to find common ground in a faith shared within us. Then there were the rooms that didn't want me there. I'd walk in and I'd announce myself as the, the local chaplain and I'm here and they'd ask what I am. I'd go, I'm Lutheran and they'd say, there's the door, you can leave right now, where's the priest? And that's okay because I learned in those moments how important this is to our understanding, how important it is to getting a grasp of our identity. And one thing that became abundantly clear to me in that difficult summer was this. Although it was our mortality, although it was our death that led us to these conversations about baptism, the conversations always ended with the hope of new life. See, that's the thing. Baptism is not about what happens when we die, because that's already been assured through Christ. Nothing we can do changes that. Instead, baptism is about being commissioned to live a life that reflects that knowledge, that reflects that grace, that reflects that reality that's already a part of us. Because we are born beloved children of God, but in baptism we are commissioned to live it out. And that's what I'm doing. But that's also what we are doing. When we are baptized, we are named as God's beloved, we are claimed, and we are commissioned. It is a moment of overwhelming joy as we receive the gift of Christ and the Holy Spirit and all the grace, love, hope, and mercy it brings. But it's also a calling to go into the world, to share those gifts, to care for God's creation, and to work for justice and peace. Because you see, we are embodied. And we are the body of Christ. And our call is to go into the world and to reflect that reality in all we do. My hope for you is that today's story helps you to understand your story to see that our life experiences can change how we live this out, or even change our very theology and understanding. But I hope at the end of the story, that when you think of baptism in your life, you think of life and what a gift it is, a gift worth sharing, just like the gifts that the Magi shared when they come to pay homage to the one born a Savior. So thanks be to God for that Savior and those who are called his children, us. Amen.